wishing you all a super warm welcome to Connecting with Purpose, where we connect with winners and thought leaders from multiple sectors to provide you with a 360 degree view on purpose. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Our purpose to inspire you to unlock your potential and optimize your performance and impact. Hi guys, welcome to episode six um, of Connecting with Purpose. I'm excited to be joined by uh, David Madden, who's had a thriving career in financial and professional services, um, which led him to be the co-founder of uh, Mikosi 14 years ago, which has been a disruptor in the uh, auditing industry and trailblazing a new model, essentially for on-demand audits, both for their clients and for uh, their auditors. And as we'll see, uh, David's journey has been very much values and impact driven. Um, and as a result of that, really excited to um, welcome him on behalf of Purpose Fused um, to join us on our Connecting with Purpose podcast. So, David, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good to be here. Good man. Um, well, if you've listened to any of our previous ones, you know what I'm going to kick off with, um, which is rather than running through your biography, I'm going to throw it over to you and instead ask, as you look back on your your career, um, which has been you know pretty entrepreneurial and and, and successful, obviously, um, if you had to distill it down into the sort of three magic moments um, that really stood out to you, um, you know what would they be? And, and just to give you a bit of context, um, we think of a, a, a magic moment as a benchmark experience. It's like if you'd give it a score out of ten, it'd be a ten out of ten. Um, and it's something that was pivotal in your in your development for whatever reason. Um, so the question is, um, what are your three magic moments? What is it that made them magic? And if you had to give each of them a name, uh, what would you call them? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess magic moments never seem too magical in the moment, but you look back on them and you realise that they are. Um, so I think, look, I left Sydney when I was twenty three to go to the UK. I said to myself, if I don't get this job I'm going for, I'm going to go leave and I'm going to go try something different. I didn't get the job. They shouldn't have hired me, so that was a good decision. So I left and I went to the UK and um, I then said, okay, well, I'm going to get that same job in the UK. So I started training on that job and it was kind of moving along nicely. But I was 23 and then I had an option to go skiing and travelling and then I figured that was probably a better way to spend my time in my 20s than sitting on a trading desk trading currencies uh so yeah for the next seven years i pretty much worked and traveled so i'd work and do lots of hours and earn my sterling and then i go spend it all for three months going through asia or snowboarding or whatever it was in the alps and i think i think the thing why that was a big moment for me is i just realized there was another path i realized there was another path outside of it get a full-time job do that work up the ladder retire all the rest of it so so that one you could maybe call well, what could, could, you, could you call that lost but really we'll, we'll call it we'll call it a new chapter um I, th I think the next one for me so you know i kind of did seven years in london and then i went to new york and i was doing a project in new york for a bank out there and i was desperate i would do anything to stay in new york i just needed a work visa so I'd, I'd had a job off from a bank before the visa went through as a whole it was a whole story um, and then I got introduced to a South African guy who had just started a business and we met in a bar after we got introduced by a friend and the deal was he'll get me a visa, he'll take 10% of whatever I earn and I was so happy with that and I just said, look, you don't need to babysit me, I'll just go find my own work, just, just get me to New York, that's all I care about right now, I just want to be here. So, you know, six months later we spun up a division in the banking world that I was in and it was just incredibly successful. You know, we grew that thing. We grew that thing eventually to about $15 million in revenue and created a whole a whole business around it. Um, so that was that was probably the next step. And, you know, that was a relationship. You know, that was just a random relationship that some guy was floating out there and we got connected and it, and it really worked out well. And that's, you know, that's that guy's now my best mate and, and my business partner. Um, and then probably the last one would be, you know, we had a lot of success growing the business event initially. You know, we're we're in the banking sector in 2007, 2008, probably the worst thing to be in in any business. Um, but thankfully, the business ended up being pretty resilient through that. But you know, we went through a really big growth curve, and then it kind of tapered off. And 
it tapered off probably to about 2011, 2012. And I just remember sitting in an office, some, you know, WeWork equivalent before WeWork was invented. And we just sat at each other and we said, like, what are we actually doing here? Like, are we going to give this thing a go? Because, you know, we get up, we go for our bike ride around Central Park. It's pretty good. We don't have a boss. That's pretty good. But we're not earning enough money. We know we're, 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 we're worth more than this. So what are we going to do about it? And, you know, it's just this decision to say, look, I just got to be committed because right now I'm in this no man's land. So just be committed and do what I need to do to grow this. Now, a lot of it was unknown, as most business owners go into when they don't know what they're doing. Um, but it was just it was just like the actual decision of being committed and being committed for us together at the same time created this force. And then we kind of went on another tear as well in that business and kind of grew that, you know, grew that grew that several fold afterwards. So, you know, that, that one I'd probably call just make it happen. Got it. And so what are some of the themes for you then that have stood out for you as being pivotal in driving success in those various different businesses that you've, um, you know, that you've nurtured and grown? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's, it's teamwork, right? It's finding the right team because, you know, there's an old saying, uh, there's a book, uh, I can't remember the name of it, Good to Great, I think, by Jim, Jim Collins. This is like, get the right people on the bus. Get the right people on the bus you're halfway there. So, you know, I think there was this spirit that we had to just never really give up and just to make it happen and be okay with failure and just kind of keep, keep turning up. So I think, I think that was a part of it as well. But like, we just had a lot of confidence in ourselves because we just thought, well, what have we got to lose? So, you know, we knew we spun something up from nothing. So we knew we could, you know, we knew we could do it again. And I think the view I always had, and you know, maybe it was a, maybe it was an egotistical view of when I was getting sent to clients to work on consulting contracts. I'm thinking they're not doing anything different. But like, what are they doing that I can't do? So for me, that's always been a kind of driving force to kind of just feel that nothing's really unachievable if you just get the right team and just and just don't give up and just be extremely resilient. So they're more kind of mindset things rather than foundational, hey, I've got this great process or that great structure. I mean, that kind of stuff came along, you know, eventually as the business grew. Um, but but it's more mindset for me. Well, yeah, and I think at, at the end of the day, if you're talking about you've got the right people and you've got the right mindset, then you can build the right principles um, and behaviours for them to be successful. And if, if you want the right people, you don't need too much other structure initially, right? Because you can kind of let them do what they do really well. Um, and yep. Some of the structure and process and things are needed when, obviously, when you grow to a certain point. Um, so so that, that's really interesting to hear. And, and I guess the other theme, which would be consistent, is the, the leadership component um, for, for you and your business partner. You've had to lead these teams through um, through growth and through challenges with the resilience and so on and so forth. Um and, and obviously, we're, you know, talking uh, purpose fused about how you fuse purpose into um, basically into the culture of the business. And as a leader, how you infuse purpose into your leadership style. So just interested for you um, as a leader, you know, what does what does purpose mean to you? Purpose is why am I getting out of bed to do all this? <laughs> you know, it's like it's as simple as that. You know, it's rather than going through the motions like what's my why? What, like, why even go to all this work? Why go to all this risk? Why go to all this, you know, potential potential stress and heartbreak and failures and all the rest? Like, why? So for me, purpose is just the why behind it all. You know, there are obviously a number of other factors, but, you know, for me, that's that's it. And and then the, I guess the other piece is like, what, what difference do I want to make? Like, when I'm looking back and I'm taking my last few breaths, like, what am I going to be proud of? So that's that's interesting. I'm going to dig into that actually in a, in a little bit, but I I was interested in um, just as you're talking about the impact piece there, um, Nicosi, you've done um, you've done quite a lot of transformational work in in the embedding of values and disrupting disrupting an industry norm really, um, and and I think for a lot of people that have been involved with you, reinventing what it means to you know, to work in 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 the practice of audit, um, and pulling just some some quotes and things off your website that seem to me so like non audit, right? Just from my 
my background and and you, you've got things like setting you up for an extraordinary life being an ambassador for change uh, life's life-changing mindset um altering training and even hooking people up with their next engagement even if it's not you guys by developing the you activating your network to support people that have worked for you to find find the next thing and so i'm just i'm really interested in that that culture that you've built um what um what is it that's um or how has that enabled you to set yourselves apart i guess is the is the first question and then what were some of the things that you've been able to do that drove the the success in creating that that culture that's really so much about empowering people and enabling to be the best version of themselves you know a, a lot of businesses get created because people have gaps of what they see could be filled from from their own experience you know so for me you know in my days when i was in london or some of my days in new york when i would be consulting for companies you know there's a part where you just feel like you're a number and you don't have any buying you have buying your paycheck or you have buying to whatever the next thing you need to get is but there's no buying to the business or what they're about or why they're there they just happen to be there now, again that that was my experience at a certain time my life may not be applicable to everyone but i think i think that probably resonates with a few people so you know our view was always like you actually don't need to do that much more than what the baseline is for me i always try to think just do an extra five percent if you do that extra five percent like that's the stuff that makes the difference you know if you're going to go do 100 push-ups do 105 right if you're going to go you know like these are the kind of things that we try to think about so what are those extra little five percents we can do for people to give them a good experience working for us to know what the issues are and to give them that good experience and it's all common sense and you know we don't have a magic formula and potion and all the rest of it to make this thing happen but we just know it's important to give people that because you know right now the the world is in the world is in a in a state where people don't stick around at companies for 20 years anymore you know you, you can pick out any stream of data that you want to have a look at where people just move you know but 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 the new generation and you know hats off to them it's less about the paycheck it's more about the purpose so you know to build a business around that makes sense because a it's just the right thing to do right that's the company that you want to work for i don't want to turn up and and run a business or run a division and not proud of what i see to see politics or fighting or you know all this all this kind of stuff it, it happens but 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 you know less less more than others in purpose-filled organizations um but it's just you know people that's who people want to work for and they will work hard knowing that you're committed to it and you know i think the important thing is i i, I think I think corporate, you know, I'm in California, so I'll say corporate America, but I think the world around is, you know, people are getting to that point where they need to realise, like, that needs to be important for, for you to attract the best team. And let's be honest, you want to attract the best team, you've got to give them a reason to, to join. But more importantly, you've got to give a reason to stay there. So all this stuff that we talk about, look, it's important. It's really important, but it needs to be alive. You know, like Enron had on their wall integrity. I mean, how did that work out? right was it on the wall or was it alive in the organization right so all this stuff needs to be alive and that's what that's what keeps people wanting to wanting to work for us yeah I mean, and, and we've actually i mean we just wrote a white paper a month ago or so on, on literally recruiting the purpose um because it needs to be that needs to become the norm at the moment if you do that in the right way it can be a differentiator to to attract the right talent but only obviously if it's authentic and for it to be authentic that means you actually do have to have a company that has um has a very clear purpose and not just has a clear purpose that is maybe on the wall somewhere but actually they're doing the extra five percent to bring it to life to bring it into the culture to um to demonstrate that so that when they have recruited um the talent in there the experience that they have aligns with the promise that they've been they've been given um and so as you think about the the extra five percent and the ways you've been able to bring um the purpose to life um what are some examples of things that you've been able to do that um you know that have, would demonstrate that and and would attract talent and retain talent in, in what you're doing yeah 
look, it's, you know, I'll kind of give an example briefly from, you know, a call I had a couple of hours ago with the team, you know, so we're growing a new division and we're growing really fast. And we've brought in a lot of senior people from a lot of different places. And how we run the business is not how they've been in businesses before, you know. Um, it's just, you know, they're, they're used to a big corporate structure with, you know, politics and just just all the other elements that, that go with big business. Not good or bad, just, just it is what it is. So when I sit down with them and talk about, the, you know, the conversation we had today was around trust, you know, why it's important to build trust and what we need to do to build trust as a team. And... You know, one of the comments was, look, you know, we get it. We just want to get back and deliver for our clients, which is great. But what I said to them is like me continually talk about this. Like the key for me as a leader is, A, how do I get people to work together, right? So whether it's diversity or diversity experience, whatever it is, how do I get people to work together for a common reason, right? Because my view is very simple. If we can get, as leaders, if you can get 10% more, out of your team because they're focusing on clients and output rather than politics and questions and all the rest of it because the business isn't doing a good job of managing their expectations. Well, if I have 100 people, I just got 15 extra full-time employees, right? 10 to 15 extra full-time employees. So economically, it makes sense for me to care about it. Now, that's not the primary reason why I do it. It's an offshoot uh, benefit. But that's, you know, that's kind of one way I look at it from the numbers perspective. But the other perspective is, we're all in relationships. And when you're in a relationship with someone at work, it's much like a relationship you have with a wife or a husband or, you know, whoever it is. Like there's got to be foundational elements for that relationship to work, you know. So I think that's the stuff that, that, that you know, that we really that we really try to instill. But, you know, that was just something that, that happened today just as a typical day-by-day example. But I think the big thing that we did was values, you know. We, we really sat down... And I remember it years ago, I, I was sitting down and with, with my business partner and we said, what is it that's made us successful? You know, like how do we take the best of what we are and kind of roll that through the organisation? And that was the lens that we took to kind of build values, you know, what are our core values? And it was a cool process to go through because you're kind of looking through your life and why was I successful and why wasn't I successful and what did I bring to the table or how did I solve a certain problem? And, you know, there's a consistent, there's a consistency there, you know. So we kind of built those values based off our own experience. And myself and my business partner, two very different personalities. But together, I think we work very well, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the the biggest thing was rolling them out across the organisation, you know. I, I, think, I think we're in a time right now where people talk about this stuff a lot. But if you went inside that organisation and looked and reported back, would you actually see it alive in the organisation or would it just be on a PowerPoint that people send to clients, you know? So being able to measure that is really, really important. So, you know, there are a number of things that we kind of did to do that. Um, First was define what they are, you know? Next was define what they're not. So this is what fits a value, this is what doesn't. And, you know, we there was a really good book I read on a, you know, flight back from Chicago to New York one time called Traction, and there was a whole kind of operating system they call it EOS. And there's a whole operating system around just tools and templates that you can do to run your business. And that was like really insightful. And one of them was around values, like get clear on your values. But more importantly, like hire people and let people go according to them. So even if you have an 18 person who's toxic, you got to let them go. Um, like it's hard sometimes, but when you're committed to it, it's not that hard. So I think some things we did, like we measured them. So for someone, we would say, okay, you got five KPIs in your role. Like these are the things we need you to get done, okay? And we're going to measure on them, you know, whatever they are, skill-based, you know, competency-based. But then you would have values. And every quarter you would get assessed. You show them some of the time, none of the time, all of the time. And if someone kept showing them none to some, like that would be a cause for some kind of conversation. So listen, you're off here, okay? Talk about why it's important going to give you a chance to turn it around but you know some people just couldn't turn around because they didn't have the same values and you know that's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole sometimes you know yeah Um, so I think that piece was really important Um, and I think you know look we did smaller things like you know every Monday morning we've had huddle and people would get given out a core values trophy and you know they get voted on who showed a core value you know the previous few weeks and, and that kind of stuff so it started kind of living in the organization a little bit more it wasn't on the leaders to kind of push this down 
now it was kind of coming from 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 the bottom up, which is, you know, which is what you want. Obviously, you don't want to be a, a bottleneck in, in these kind of things. Um, but you know, there was one experience that I had. You know, we went through the business, and look, businesses go like this, right? I mean, every business does. And you know, there was a bit where we weren't doing so good, and you know, we were downsizing, and we had to say, look, we gotta, we just gotta make some cuts. Okay, so like, it's just what we have to do. It was a nice bit, but it was just what we had to do. When we went through the lens of this lens we're talking about now, right, we probably let go of 40% of our internal team. We lost 10% of output as a result. And what ended up happening is the people that got let go, they just they just weren't right for the business. Not bad people, don't dislike them, like anything like that. Just not a good fit. That's all, right? And I think the, the thing you need to, to kind of have in context is you want people to be in roles they want to be in. You don't want someone to kind of try to be that square peg fitting themselves in a round hole. It's just stressful. They don't enjoy it. You know, we don't enjoy managing them. It's just not a good fit, you know. So so it's really important to kind of let people be free and go go do something else. And hopefully by letting them be free, they'll be happy because they knew it wasn't a good fit anyway. But I think when we started doing that, you know, people go and we'd just be open and honest with people about it. And most times it's not news to them. They're like, yep, yeah, okay, I agree as well. So, so there are a couple of things that we did to, to, to roll it out. And, you know, quite frankly, it just made it a, mu- a much more fun business to run because it was just clear about what we're about. You, as you're evolving as an organisation and growing um, over time and then downsizing other times, being able to make those decisions based on values, um, it makes it actually that much clearer and that much simpler. And also you feel that much more confident afterwards that you've done it in the right way as well, because it's easy for people to understand, I think, understand that, and they probably feel it themselves anyway, and it probably wasn't quite quite the yeah. right. And look, we've all been in relationships that haven't worked, right? Romantic, you know, whatever, and, and you just know it, right? But you just kind of feel like you've got to keep showing up. You've got to muscle through it, but it's just not a good, it's just not a good fit. So, I, I think just having the framework to, to go through hiring people, letting people go and all the rest of it through this, it just provides transparency. And that's what I think a lot of people want. They just want to know, like, what am I getting judged of? What's important here? And if we give you the framework and you can't get it done, then, okay, that's fine. Maybe this isn't the right place for you. It's not good or bad. just is. So maybe you should go find somewhere that is the right place for you. But I just find in a lot of places like there's just this lack of transparency. People don't know what they need to do or be to be successful because there may be eight different opinions. So I think trying to build it from that is is really important. Um, and, And also, like, I need to be held accountable to that stuff. So by all means, if I'm not if I'm not holding up the values, like someone's got to flag it to me. And I've also got to be able to respond in the right way to know that, okay, it's best. This is about what's best for the business, not about what's best for Dave. Right. Yeah. No. So you, you as a leader, you've got to model. You've got to model those values. You've got to share the values. You've got to model values. And in in our model, which we we kind of always have purpose as the foundational component to, to sort of a bunch of building blocks, right? And the, but the things that bring the purpose to life first and foremost, we call we say principles. That their values in action. That's that's the way all their behaviours, right? So if the value is is trust, what's a behaviour that that exhibits that, and how do we continue to um, to be able to exhibit exhibit that behaviour? So um, you talked about um, you talked about trust. Actually, you gave an example of it from earlier today. I'm just actually interested. Um, you're talking about building trust, and you've bought you've grown a significant division. You've got lots of senior people that come in. Um, and so this was a conversation that you wanted to have. Um, what, what were the messages? What, what, how do you um, build build trust in uh, in your organisation, and, and how would you want other people to to develop that themselves? Yeah. Um, well, first is get the feedback from the team. You know, my question is simple: rating out of ten, how's trust between us all right now? Okay. All right. Five, four, three, whatever it is. Okay. Cool. Well, let's start with the truth and work work backwards from there. So why is it? What's missing? Um, and, um, and, and, you know, some of the pieces, some of the pieces is it's new, right? Everyone hasn't worked together, right? So, okay, I'm going to trust someone I've been on a second date with. All right, I'm not, right? Um, depending on who you are. Like, 
maybe that's my downfall, but anyway. Um, you know, so I think I, I think it's just starting with there. Like just having like I I think the biggest thing for me is just having a simple scoring mechanism, right? So number one, we're all talking the same language. Out of ten, where are we at? And what's missing? But then the next level down is okay, like give me a specific example of why that is, right? Because you know, we all get lost in our own heads sometimes, you know. And, you know, without that communication to be able to talk about it, you know, you can kind of build build molehills into into mountains. Um, so I think it's just providing that framework. You know, you know, for me, it's the framework. It's just like get people talking just to get them, let them know, look, it's OK. This is how we run things here. This isn't going to be used against you. This isn't some this isn't some tool that we're using to be to be manipulative. It's like this is how we want to run because we know this is the best way to run. So. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's... that's no, no, it did, it did because it was the, it's the approach that you use, and I would guess that you use the same approach that you did for trust as you would use for, for any other uh, word you want to put in there, um, which is have a, have a scoring mechanism. I, I, we do that all the time. Just one to five or one to ten just gives us a score because that gut reaction, everybody can come out with it. Then it's like, okay, so why are we, why are we here? what's what's led us to get here what's an example of why we're here and um, and how do we want to close that gap if we're a six how do we get it to a nine or a ten um yeah. so i think that approach is a good approach and what i like about it is um that there's so many organizations are quite complex and some products are complex and markets are complex and there's a really a complex kind of ecosystem that in in organizations that everything's connected but if you really boil it all down, it's a bunch of people that believe in some of the same things and trying to get the same stuff done, right? And so having simple frameworks that simplify some of the complex things that otherwise might be the case are often the most effective way to tackle some of these um, tackle some of these challenges and get the right people doing the right things at the right time, in the right way, supporting each other. Um, and being able to clearly identify when those things aren't, aren't working and that people are confident enough to speak up about it. So, um, no, so I actually, I love that. I love that approach. And the other part about I like about it is the measurement side. And you brought this up before around the values. Um, and I'm interested because I think a lot of times when we talk about purpose and when, I think also when people talk about values and even probably culture, right, um, that something people think is a bit nebulous or intangible or whatever. So how do you, what are some ways that you do measure um, the implementation of, of, of the values outside of putting it into performance reviews, which obviously is a, a really tangible thing because you're giving people a score, but what are some of the other ways it shows up? What are some things that you measure that you would consider to be measures of sort of values and action and, and culture and purpose and those sorts of things? Yeah, I th look. I, I think that I think the performance management piece on a quarterly basis is obviously a foundation, right? But you know, we don't live in quarterly updates. We live in hour by hour updates. So you know, for me, the big thing is a providing the framework to the team so they know how to communicate, right? They've got the framework to communicate, and they're also able to call each other out if someone's off. That's really where where it matters. Right. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting down with someone every three months, but then for the other 89 days, you know, there's issues going on with values and no one's flagging it or no one's calling each other out or, or no one's holding each other accountable. So, you know, that kind of stuff is important. So, you know, like, like I said before, you know, we'd have core value call outs, people stand around, get a trophy, that kind of stuff. But it's it's in the day to day business operation. Right. That's where it lives. Right. I mean, that's where it has to live. And we all need to be accountable to it. So it's not really much of an answer, but I, I, I kind of just feel it's part of the language of the organization. You're giving people permission to be okay with using this framework. And, and I also think it's a, it's a really good way to resolve issues, if I'm honest, because, you know, we can all get kind of caught up in what an actual issue is and talk about for 30 minutes about what the issue is. And at the end of it, it's not sure what the issue is, you know. So you kind of, okay, let's just get to the guts of it and let's just talk about what's really going on. Because so often we we hang out in this superficial piece. We're a little bit not sure of whether we should say that or if that's going to hurt someone's feelings or all those kind of things. But, you know, my my feeling is, you know, as we've seen this roll out, I mean, when people really own it, it's it's just part of the language of the organisation. And it's not easy. Like, it's it's not easy to get people over it because there's a lot of scepticism and there's a lot of, well, what's this all about? Is this just management's latest 
white paper they read and they're going to roll it out it's going to be dead in in a month you know like it's it's really important to kind of roll it out and make it measurable but um that's that's how it's worked for us yeah i think your answer is actually spot on and because for me it's not that the values um values culture are part of how right they're how we get things done they're how we interact how we support each other how we communicate how we hold each other accountable we would say that the purpose is the why that kind of sits below all of that and we why this you said it's sort of, you know why we exist what we're here to do what impact we want to make there's a there's a vision or a dream or something at the top of where we want to get to and the part that gets measured is the what so if you understand why you're doing it and where you want to get to and how you actually are going to actually hold each other accountable and support each other and getting there the very clear focus is well what are we actually doing that's what gets measured so it's not that the values are getting measured in and of themselves they're getting operationalized in the day-to-day and on the you know quarterly basis in order to move forward towards the what's and they're the kpis and they're the you know the the objectives and the targets that people are trying to hit so i i, I, I like the answer because i think it's a, a reality that you're not necessarily trying to measure the purpose or measure you're trying to measure the impact that they have on the outcomes and the outputs that you're trying to achieve um look i, I mean when you're clear about and i totally agree with you right the purpose is the why you know for me it's like the purpose and the values like they they tend to don't change right they're foundational they're, they're part of you mission and vision and all that kind of stuff you know that can change with time right um that's my view but um but you know when you go from values it's like well why do you marry your wife right i mean what was it about your wife that that you you know you you loved about her or she brought to the equation she brought to you know the relationship and and you know vice versa and you know you you want to go off that because that stuff very rarely changes like well your values are now are probably going to be the same as when you're 80 years old you know um so when you're looking for that like you can train skills everyone says you can train skills but you can't train values you know because everyone's got their own story everyone has a different way of getting to certain values and maybe not everyone of my values is going to be the same as someone else's but you know where are those you know where are those pieces where we sync together and when you have people with the same values man business is a lot easier to run simple as that it's a lot easier to run um it's hard to get there you know it is it is hard and it's timely because you know, in business, you're always looking at your numbers. All right, we've got to grow and, you know, we've got to get funding and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you can tend to forget about this. And then all of a sudden you go, big business with no values and that just doesn't seem that fun to me. Yeah, and probably ultimately not sustainable, I think, in this day day and age um, where, where ultimately everyone's got access to so much of the same information and technology and Yes, there's innovations and everything else, but ultimately it's the people that are going to make the difference, getting the right people, attracting the right people, retaining the right people. And more and more, those people are looking for organisations that are doing the right thing um, for the right reasons. And so, you know, you've clearly identified that as a, as a priority for you guys. So switching a little bit, um, but still related to this, um, just interested in... Um, just some things that you've been really proud of. Um, and this could be personally or professionally, but we always like to look at this in terms of like, in terms of impact. So when we talk about impact, we're talking about um, impact that you've been able to have, you know, kind of positive impact you've had on yourself, positive the impact that you've had on people that you surround yourself with the most, which could be friends and family, or it could be teammates and other leaders in the organization, um, uh, or impact on the world. So me, me we, world. Um, you know any in, impact that you've had so what, what are some things that you've been been able to do sort of have an impact on and, and that you're that you're proud of um that you've been able to achieve and you know throughout your career yeah um look i'm a dad i've got three daughters and i don't think i have any more important job in the world than that um and you know on that topic you know where i just finished a very lengthy process to define what our family values are right so what are our family values so i sat down with my wife rachel sat down and said okay let's go through the life story right what's led us to get here like what are those foundational values that have helped us get to where we are you know she runs a very successful interior design business obviously i've got my thing going on um 
you know, we've, we've, we've both been pretty lucky about where we are, but it's just like getting to that point of like, okay, what is that? But how do we instill that into the girls, right? Like what's the best way to do that? So that's a work in progress. Um, look, one guy who worked for us a while ago and then came back to work for us again, this is just kind of coming up right now, was when he came back, he said, Mercosi was always the gold standard for me when I was going to work at other places. You know, like that, you guys were always the gold standard. And he ended up coming back. So for me, I'm proud that like, okay, he went to go try find somewhere else, but he couldn't, but he couldn't find it. So he came back. So, you know, that, that was, that was a source of pride. I, I have a, I have a challenge putting my finger on any one thing, you know, because for me, and who knows, maybe, maybe because I've got ADD or something, but I'm always in the moment, right? I'm always thinking, about, okay, what do I need to get done this week, this month, today? And sometimes for me, the leadership piece, like leadership is very important for me because I've done a hell of a lot of work just on my own self and my own mindset to try to make sure I'm, I'm optimizing myself. And I just see that the biggest thing I can do is help people get out of their own way. Most people have the answers. They just need the right questions to get themselves there. So for me, I just want to be that person asking those questions to have people kind of get get to where they need to get to or where they want to get to themselves. So for me, it's those day-to-day interactions. That's the stuff that, that makes me most proud. Um, yeah. So, yeah, on, so on leadership and mindset, um, what um, what do you think are some um, some things that you've learned about yourself um, from some of that work you've done or just through the experiences that you've had um, and, and also some of the traits that, that you feel are, are important for you um, to show up for other people as a, as a leader with the right mindset? Yeah, well, I've read my fair share of self-help books and, and all the rest of it. I'm, I think I'm on this never-ending journey to just constantly try to look for that 1% um, and try something else. But, you know, I think, I think the things for me, probably the biggest one is just uh, I'm stubbornly resilient. I just, I just cannot let go of something. If I think there's an opportunity, I will just go to the ends of the earth to try to make it happen. And, and sometimes that kind of goes back to that extra 5% is how many of us give up when it gets tough and just know that it was just an extra 5% to get there. Right. And, you know, we're in the Olympics right now right that five percent sometimes it's the one percent or the half percent that's the difference between gold and last quite frankly so it's just that it's just the resilience piece um and then the other thing is just just knowing that it's all going to be okay it'll all work out in the end i'm always telling my kids this don't worry it'll all work out in the end it'll all even out and my experience is does always even out so don't get kind of too stressed in the moment if you lose something that you really had high expectations on that didn't go the way you wanted to because what's more important is just dusting yourself off and just getting back to it. So for me, it's that kind of that monotony of just kind of continuing to push forward, like regardless of whatever whatever challenges come. And look, there are people with bigger degrees and way smarter than I am, but I just think they're the foundational things for me that just just kind of keep me going. Because like for me personally, I just I always want to be growing. I always want to be improving, and I always know there's gaps there for me. And, you know, maybe that's another interview with my wife about which ones are there. But uh, anyway, that's the one That's the one that I'm seeing right now. Well, just don't do an interview with me on that because uh, anyone that knows me knows I've, I've got a long, a long list of things that, that I, uh, I've had to improve on in that space. But, um, but yeah, I, I, um, I think that resilience is a, is a trait, um, you know, of it's obviously successful leaders, successful athletes, military, like so on and so forth. Um, and, and I think purpose, from my perspective, has always supported me in being resilient. It's been something that it's not part of the, the core model of resilience, if you like, necessarily, but it's, it's, it's a driver of resilience. It's something that motivates me to want to be resilient because, because I believe in something and therefore I'm not going to give up on it until, for whatever reason, I may choose to not believe in it anymore. But if I believe in something and I like you see an opportunity, then I'm going to continue to go for it. And that's partly because it fits within the definition for me of what what purpose is. But what are, what are some of the drivers for you in, in resilience? Is it is it just something you've, you've always had um, or is it something you've learned? Or, you know, if you were to break it down a little bit, like what is it that what it was it that makes David Madden resilient? 
uh, look, that's that's a whole psychotherapy session there to unwind why I make the decisions that I make. So we're probably uh, I don't want to put anyone in tears on that one. But look, when I when I look through my life, I kind of think you know we obviously talked about the the, the business pieces before, but there's just things that have happened that have made me have to be resilient, right? Made me have to stand up and just figure it out, you know. And some of them weren't great moments, you know. Some of the moments were like this is the end of the world. Um, but, you know, when I look back and I, I look back at the decisions that I make, you know, that, that I think fuel this, you know, they, they were great things that happened to me, you know. They were really great things. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, spent a lot of time through, you know, teenage years and early 20s thinking they were terrible things and holding them against people and, you know, all the rest of it like we all do. But, you know, they were the things that kind of that kind of forced that. And, you know, people will tell me, like, the best thing you can do if you want Dave to get something done is just tell him you can't do it. So, yeah, that's never going to work. And then I'll just be like, okay, I have to prove them wrong. Yeah. Like, that is my mission to go do that. And, and you know, that's that's just kind of that, – that's just kind of my view on it. Well, I, I, that really resonates with me, I think, coming from – as an athlete and coming from a, a life of being coached by people, um, not being a coach as well, but that the best coaches are the ones that could always get that extra 1% or 5% out of you, even if you were resilient. You work with and you're really kind of always trying at your best, but they somehow were able to squeeze a little bit more out. Um, and that's that's one of the I think that's one of the magic things being a coach or a leader. If you can help other people with that same that same thing and that's quality. Um, but obviously, as you said as well, like at the end of the day, some of this is you learn it on the job, you learn it through life. And you know the, the saying of you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is actually often the case. And and I think you can look back on some things now and say, actually, that's a magic moment now because of what it led to. And at the time, it was a total dream. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and well, most of them are. Yeah. Like most of them are, you just don't know it in the time. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the interesting juxtaposition we find ourselves in. You know, we kind of get in our own heads when these moments happen, but you just don't know what kind of path they take you on. Because sometimes they're very small shifts. You know, but a small shift over a longer period of time makes a, you know, makes a very big difference. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. To have a successful career you've had, um, a multi-time entrepreneur in a way, there must be some meaning to it. So what are, what are some of those things that, that experiences you've had that really just make it meaningful to you, this, this process of building and growing, growing a business with the right people? You know, one underlying feeling or, or thought that I have is I think business can be an amazing conduit for change. You know, I think we're in this political landscape right now where people are just disengaged, you know. Like, we don't trust our leaders. Like, so whatever they say, like, you know, whatever. I don't believe it, I'm going to go back to my life. So I really think we're in a position right now where business can be such a catalyst for change. And, you know, we, we're close to 300 employees, 250, 260 employees right now. Now, like that's 250 to 260 people we could help them change. Maybe one thing they see about how work should be, right, or what an employer should be or should do. And, you know, back to that story before that with that guy who came back, like I would hope that people see us as a gold standard, right, because I'm proud of that because I've worked for businesses and we all have where you don't feel that way and you're just looking for your next gig. So so I think that's that's an element of like – how to redefine like what a business's role in society is. And, you know, one of the things that we're kicking off right now is we want to put 10,000 kids through school. Like, there's a lot of kids and it's a pretty big goal. We're not too sure how we're going to do it, but we're committed to it. So we'll go figure it out now. Right. <laughs> so, so, Hey, but you know what, even if we're 10% successful, cool. All right. Well, thousand kids just went through school. So that's good. Right. So I think, you know, I think with pieces with that, you know, guys, you know, our team get behind us on that, you know, and, you know, we're also in a process right now of measuring that, you know, we're not just looking, okay, what's our P&L and what's our margin from, from last month and what does it relate to, you know, the previous year, the previous month, all the rest of it. We're building it to a point to say, all right, how many kids did we put through school last month, right, with, with what we've committed to? So it's like tying in that purpose, you know, on the, on the, on the day-to-day. But look, as for the just general meaning thing, you know, man, honestly, it goes day by day. Sometimes I feel like I have it. Sometimes I feel like I don't. Um, but I do love being a leader. I just love being a leader and I love challenging myself 
and aloft challenging other people because I just feel there's a lot of untapped potential. And it's back to what you said about the coaches, the coaches that can find that extra one or 5% because frankly, they're the ones that don't buy you. They don't buy your stories. They see a bigger version of you, not the version that you're in right now where you're on the ground, sweating, panting, breathless, like whatever the, whatever the situation is, they just see a bigger version. And I think if you can see people for the bigger version of who they are, rather than whatever the circumstances at the moment are, when you link up to people like that, like that's a powerful way to see people. And look, do I do it every day? No, of course I don't. You know, I'm not, I'm not Buddha. Um, but you know, that's that should be the that should be the vision. So it's just like being able to get the best out of people, but mainly just helping them get out of their own way. I mean, I have a coach. I need someone to get me out of my own way, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, then yeah, there's a whole other session on the, on you know on the value of coaching and everything else. But I I do have I've got one other question, but I want to just tease one out a little bit here quickly on the ten thousand kids because you you mentioned it and you kind of just brushed over. It's like we're doing this thing where you're going to put ten thousand kids through school, and uh, I, I I want to give you guys kudos for that because I, I I've read read about that and um, when you are talking about the role of business in society and redefining business and that business is a catalyst for change, like these are all fundamental beliefs that I have, um, which is why I do what I do and why I've done what I've done. But um, to be able to essentially carve out a bit of profit from every project that you guys work on um, to support kids, and these primarily I think kids in really underserved educational opportunities in South Africa, right? So it's really, really transformative for these kids, for them to, to have a, a full education um, is is an incredibly powerful um, a, a component of a shared purpose that I really, really hope um, resonates with your with your clients and with your employees and is something that everybody can contribute to, not just financially, but actually contribute to and get involved with and, and get more meaning out of the value that you're already delivering to them. Right, um, whether that's your employees or whether it's your clients, because the, everybody's contributing to this other bigger thing, um, and I think it's it's a really incredible way of um, operationalizing something that's incredibly impactful on a day to day basis that can be something that everybody can get behind. So I just wanted to to highlight that because there's so many businesses that um, that talk a good game about this stuff, but you guys are really going for it. Um, and I appreciate the fact you're like, oh, we don't know how we're going to do it yet either, but we're going to work it out. <laughs> you know what? I think you're going to get a lot of people to, to back you up with that. So, um, you know, fantastic. That's really amazing to see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but, but again, I just, it, it's a funny thing, right? Because these are the kind of things that don't show up on an income statement or don't show up on a balance sheet, right? But, but they're things that are important. And, you know, if we're to net it out and, I don't know, put the latest AI algorithm across it to say, well, how many more clients did we get because of that? How many more people want to do join Macozy because of that? Who knows? Maybe whatever we spent on it, you know, we got back in that, right? But that's not what it's about. You know, that's definitely not what it's about. But what I'm trying to bring the parallels between is, you know, sometimes these softer things can just be seen as airy-fairy softer things. But I think if you're really dive into it, it just makes you a better business. High quality people want to work for you. Clients have an extra reason to want to work for you because they get behind it. And we've had great, you know, we've had, we've had, you know, great, uh, great feedback with, with clients and, and our employees. Gives them something to work towards, right? It's back to the purpose thing. Like we're clear about what our purpose is. This is where we're going. So you want to join the ride? Cool, join the ride. If not, that's fine too. How can you help us? How can we get a partnership going, right? So, that's the way. That's the way we see it. Yeah. No, that's that's brilliant. So, so this tees up nicely the last question, which is another one we we always start and end with the same um, same questions. But when we when we look at purpose from an individual perspective, we simplify it into three things. Um, we call it purpose fuse formula, um, which is purpose equals uh, passion plus application plus impact. So, passion. Um, Passion is the things that you care about, things you believe in, um, the things that you enjoy. Um, the impact is the mean week world thing that we said, right? Um, so the, the impact that you can have on yourself with those places to whatever power you want to go in terms of that positive impact. 10,000 kids, pretty big impact. Um, and at the intersection of those two things is kind of the so what, which is the application, right? So 
what does that mean for you on a day-to-day basis and month to month and year to year like what are some of the things you can actually do to live at this intersection of the, of the passion and the impact and if you can do that the more you do that the more you're living living in love so if you were to take each of those three things and summarize them into either just a word or a sentence for you for for david madden um what's your passion what's the impact and and and, and what's your application like have you been able to apply that um to your day-to-day yeah okay i feel like i'm gonna talk about things i've already talked about today but to wrap them up but look passion as i love i just love i just love running a business i love being a leader i love running a business i love i just love that that responsibility i have um so that's that's one so call it leadership um the impact Look, we've obviously talked about the impact with, uh, you know, with the 10,000 kids, but but the impact is, you know, in one word would probably be new way of working. That's four words, but let's take out the spaces and make it one. Um, and what I mean by that is I always think if someone works for us for three days or three years, I hope they've seen a better way to do things. Um, and the application is, is obviously the business is my outlet, right? Running a business is the outlet. So you could maybe call that entrepreneurship. I realise I put two of those three into uh, one word, but anyway, that's, that's what I got. It's a word or, it's a, word or a sentence, really. And, and, but I think that what I love about that is it, it sums up you know, like how you are living your purpose because you love you love being a leader. Um, you love disrupting and doing things differently um, and, and ultimately um, building building things through the business is the vehicle that enables you to bring that, to bring that to life. Um, so that's... That was a that was a that was a that was a ten out of ten answer. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, David, that that wraps up um, episode six. So um, I really enjoyed it, and it was great to get um, you know an inside track into sort of the entrepreneurial mindset and some of the successes and the operationalization of the values and how it's all kind of been been purpose driven for you. And um, yeah, appreciate how you how you're living this yourself and walking the walk and. Um, not just talking the talk, which is one of the things that winds me up the most. So, um, so appreciate you know, appreciate being here, appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'm excited to continue to um, you know follow your success, and at some point, I hope to come out to the west coast and uh, and actually share a share a drink with you as well. Sounds good to me. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. It's been a good chat with you. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. And learn more about the power of purpose at purposefused.com.